announcement has been paid for by the... Hello, 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 and welcome back to the NOW Podcast. I am your host, Cody King, here as always with my tag team partner, Trevor. What's up? And today, we will be discussing AEW All Out. Um... That's pretty much all we really wanted to talk about because not much else You've happened in the week of wrestling. Thank you, Rated, for the host. Um, so this is kind of what we're, we're sticking with and uh, what we're going to go with. you like the new image? Well, thank you. All right. So, first of all, I actually need to mute this chat because it keeps making my computer go off. Message notifications, mute it for an hour. Alright, so, like I said, we will be discussing AEW's pay-per-view all out from this past week. Uh, A lot of big things happened on the card, we're going to break into it. Uh, step by step, we got the chicken dance going early. This is loud. I wish you could hear it too. Yeah, I'm good on that one. It's very loud in my ears. Decently loud when it plays over the stream. This one goes on for so long, too. Alright, so I'm gonna put my phone aside, let them talk about what they gotta talk about, because they are blowing up my computer. Almost done. Almost done with the chicken dance. Okay, and we are done. We are back. How's it going, Will? Um, so, yes, uh, we are going to be talking about AEW All Out, starting out with the pre-show. Trevor, you did say you did not watch the pre-show, so I'll hit on it just a little bit. Uh, so we had the Best Friends and Jurassic Express versus HFO. Um, and honestly, it was a, a pretty good introduction to this pay-per-view. Um, it was a good, a good buy-in match, if we want to call it that. Um, it really made everything start off very strong, and AEW is usually pretty good about that, putting something really good on the pre-show, uh, and then really just leading into just absolute fire out of the gate. Um, we did have Best Friends and Jurassic Express defeating HFO. You tried it. You tried it. How's it going, Emma? Um, but yeah, uh, the first official match on the card was Miro. Uh, he was facing Eddie Kingston for the TNT Championship. Thank you, Ty, for the host. Um, 
And surprisingly, a I don't want to say surprisingly, but Eddie Kingston to me is not that great of a wrestler. He is great on the mic, uh, but his wrestling is his weakness when it comes to his overall as a superstar. Um, this match was pretty good, though. Uh, it stayed pretty slow-paced. You could see towards the end how blown up Eddie Kingston was once they started picking up on everything. Um, but that really didn't put it too far down for me. Um, Miro having to hit a, a low blow, that, uh, that was a, a nice little, little heel move from Miro that we haven't seen him need to put out because he's been squashing people week in and week out. And this is the first time he's really had to put up a fight in one of these. He, uh, he redeemed those nuts. He did redeem those nuts. Uh, as Eddie Kingston has a shirt on shopaew.com that is uh, redeem these nuts. Um, but yeah, he he redeemed, redeemed those nuts, hit a low blow, hit his Machka kick, uh, and got the pinfall. Uh, which was actually uh, a very good hard-hitting match, in my opinion. It was uh, a, a really good start to the pay-per-view. The real slobber knocker, as JR likes to say. That is very true. How did you feel about that match to kick off the show? Yeah, I, I thought it was really good, and it played up to Kingston's strength because it wasn't mm -hmm. wrestling. It was a brawl. It was yep. just a big brawl, and Miro can do that just as well, so... I really like the match. Hi. Uh, I love I like Miro a lot, and Kingston, as you said, is great on the mic. So yeah, I, I like him too. So. I'm glad Miro retained, though. But I think this story is going to continue. Yeah, the way it ended. and I felt like yeah, and I felt like this was really good for the fact of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley have been doing a lot together, um, and John Moxley had a match on the card already. Eddie Kingston was kind of left off, so it was a nice a nice way to get both of them in singles action on the same card. Thank you, Ty. I really, like, I really like re the Redeemer oh, uh, gimmick going for pro uh, Miro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did, you, did you see that Lana um, tweeted him after, after the show? And said that uh, she was going to redeem his nuts once he got home. No, I did not. That's great, though. <laughs> it is great. I like how he always brings her up in the promos. I'm thankful for my uh, flexible wife and stuff like that. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, that tweet coming from her, I saw that and I, I had to laugh. Which, if we're going to be honest and hit from just a um, social media presence, uh, this pay-per-view was trending right out of the gate um even wwe wrestlers were tweeting about this pay-per-view throughout the entire pay-per-view um which is kind of a little bit of a shock we know that they're behind closed doors a lot of them are friends but to see them open and uh and and tweeting praise to to the opposition uh that that really speaks volumes um, the next match on the card, match number two, we had Eddie Kingston's partner, John Moxley, uh, facing Kojima, uh, which this was, this was what you would expect from a John Moxley match. Uh, hard hitting, absolute, it, it wasn't necessarily a 
deathmatch, but it felt like a deathmatch the entire time. Um, there was a lot of a lot of bloodshed in this match as well. Not a, not necessarily on Moxley's side, but on Kojima's side. This was a very good match that was very similar to the first match. Um, just I felt like it it just hit on a couple different cylinders. Uh, a lot of a lot more big moves than what Miro and Eddie Kingston brought to the table. So it was just like a slight upgrade from what that match was before, uh, with a little bit more firepower because you have John Moxley behind it, of course, and then if, uh, then uh, Kojima being a, a New Japan legend, um, you get that as well. So you got a lot of the independent fans or the fans of New Japan that were very invested into that match as well. So. Uh, yeah, that match was that match was very very good in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say I like like everything on this card. So, uh, yeah, this match just was great. Moxley and him put on a hell of a match. Like you said, it was a step up a little bit from the previous match with the the violence. Not the, no, not bagging on the last match. I just said that was a great yeah. match. But yeah, these two just beat the hell out of each other. And Moxley winning wasn't really a surprise. No, no. Jima's an older guy now. And, yeah, it it was just really great. And then the aftermath. Yeah, and uh, the aftermath is uh, Suzuki coming out. uh, And he's the founder of Suzuki Club in New Japan. Uh, which is a faction over there, uh, and he's also another another legend when it comes to Japanese wrestling. So he's an he's an older guy as well. This was uh, building up to uh, the AW Dynamite uh, that was only three days later, um, which that was in John Moxley's hometown of Cincinnati. So that was a, a pretty big deal for him. So them being able to have that um, interaction at the end. Uh, it seemed like it was very important to John Moxley because he's he's big and especially deathmatch wrestling, uh, but Japanese culture as well as a whole. Uh, I like the way that the announcers built up Suzuki for people that may have never seen him because let's face it, a lot a lot of people watch New Japan. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they basically told you how crazy he is and how violent and yeah, absolutely really put him over. Absolutely, and, and I feel like it showed. And the fact that the fact that he uh, hit Moxley with the pile, the Gotch pile driver and mm-hmm. uh, came out on top on the pay per view really helped build him as a credible threat. Absolutely, that didn't know him. And it's wild because even in that little interaction, they were just punching each other back and forth, back and forth. He's the one that had oh he had John Moxley's blood all over his uh, all over his bicep towards the end of it. Tie with uh, tie with some turtles popping off. I like turtles. I saw that TikTok today. That I like turtles TikTok. It made me laugh. But made me think of this as well. They're orgasming in my ear. Oh, there we go. I wonder if you finished. Um, anyway. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we had the next match was the AEW Women's Championship match. We had Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. 
versus Chris Statlander. Um, this is kind of what I anticipated it was. Most of the time, you really don't get great AEW women's matches unless it's for the women's championship because they do put the top women that are are good wrestlers in that spot on pay-per-views, which is great. Um, but this match alone, I, I enjoyed it. There was a lot of spots in here which were great. Uh, Britt Baker did a little homage to Adam Cole uh, hitting the Panama Sunrise that they called the Pittsburgh Sunrise, um, which which was a nice little uh, nice little homage there. Which is funny because Adam Cole at the paper at uh, NXT Takeover 36, we all saw that he locked in the lockjaw. Uh, so them two doing their moves, uh, d- them two doing each other's moves was a, a nice little touch, uh, and we had no idea what was to come later in the night. Um, so yeah, this was this was nice. It, it did get a pretty decent pop out of the crowd uh, because everybody knew that it was the Panama Sunrise from Adam Cole's move set. Um, but yeah, this was back and forth, a lot of near falls on both sides. Um, but yeah, this was this was just a gem. Britt Baker ends up locking in the lockjaw lock to get the submission victory, um, and yeah, this was this was absolutely uh, one of the best women's matches that they've had on a pay per view. Yeah, she yeah. is the alien lady tie. Yeah, uh, Britt getting the win clean too, not needing help was also nice, and yeah, like this is a great way to elevate the women's division you know as you said it's it's not the best it's probably the worst part of aew at the moment mm-hmm. and not the shit on the women it's just they haven't got a direction with them a lot of the time it's just random matches but nobody i feel has a great women's division they have great wrestlers like brit and Stylander are both great it's just they're not building the vision great right now yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they're, they are building that women's division. I mean, you do have uh, Britt Baker. You do have Riho. They have Thunder Rosa now. So it is building. Um, when they first, a year ago, if we were to talk about this, they were not good. Not good it, at all. It absolutely has gotten a it, lot better. Yeah, it's come a long, long way. I just feel they need a little more story in there instead of uh, just one story in it's always going to be around the title at the moment. Oh yeah, so. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I completely, they're, completely they're trying agree. to break off a little, a few other ones, and they've got the the one with a uh, Thunder Rosa trying for the title and coming up short right now. So that's a little bit of a story there. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for later. Sorry. <laughs> uh. Yeah. But yeah, uh, moving on, we had the best match of the card, hands down, could be match of the year. Uh, we had the AEW Tag Team Championships inside of a steel cage. The Young Bucks coming as coming in as the champions versus the Lucha Brothers, and this was a match. Um, crazy. There absolutely was crazy shit in this. Yeah, it started off with the Young Bucks trying to ca- uh, climb the cage immediately to try to try to get out of there and uh, escape as soon as possible. Uh, that did not work because this match went another close to thirty minutes. Um, 
And it was just, it was non-stop action the entire time. There was no downfalls this entire match. Um, everybody was getting tossed into the cage, around the cage. It was just absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. There's there's so much to talk about in this match as far as spots go. Uh, there was a point where uh, Matt Jackson put on a Jordan that had thumbtacks uh, glued to the bottom of it. This was an homage to a couple years back in uh, PWG where... What was that? Oh, this was a throwback to PWG. Uh, back a couple years ago, the Young Bucks uh, did the same exact thing. They had thumbtacks on the bottom of a Jordan. Uh, Matt Jackson put it on. They were going to kick Joey Ryan, but Candice LeRae stepped in the way and ate that super kick hard. Um, I was actually just showing Ty the day after the pay-per-view. Uh I sent him that video of that actually happening along with uh, the pictures that were after where it just looked like she got acupunctured in the forehead. Um, yeah, she she ate that super kick hard, just as hard as Penta ate that super kick with, with uh, thumbtacks on it. Uh, I've, and seen, he, I've seen it called his murder Nike. His murder Nike? I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, this was absolutely incredible. Penta was... Completely covered in blood. I don't know how he could see with all the blood and the mask and everything like that. But they, uh, yeah, they they put on a show. Penta, while he was bloody, he saved Phoenix by diving in the way, taking a kick right to the face. Uh, he was driven face first into tacks on multiple occasions, bleeding even more. Uh, and then they right after... Shoe into Nick Jackson's head. Yep. Uh, right after that, they had a BTE trigger on Penta, uh, and he only got a two count because Ray Phoenix was able to break it up. Uh, you would have thought that was going to be the end of it with how bloody it was and everything like that, but they they still kept going. Um, and yeah, just near fall after near fall on both sides. Uh, Penta hitting a destroyer from the top rope. Um, yeah, this was just an absolute incredible match. If I suggest... One match that has happened all year, and it's September, so I feel like I can say this. That is the match to watch. Uh, that tag team match, I was saying up until Sunday that my favorite match that AEW did was Hangman Adam Page and uh, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks a year ago. This may surpass it. It was on the same level, in my opinion. Um, but it could be a little bit better, because it was absolutely... Amazing. Yeah, the, uh, Penta's mask was just shredded, and so was his face. And yeah, then when, uh, when they were all on the outside of the ring there, and uh, Penta and Matt each delivered the pile driver on the ring apron to their the younger of the brothers, that was a pretty good spot. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, thing. yeah, this this entire thing was absolutely insane. Us talking about it. And kind of just saying what happened in certain spots, it really doesn't do it justice. Um, this this was match of the year, in my opinion. Plus, there's so many spots we'd be here another 30 minutes going over because that's how long the match was. This it was great. Go watch it. And Sorry about that, Krabby. I had to get out of there. 
the Lucha Brothers did end up winning and become the new tag team champs. Yes, and that is the important part here as well. On top of it being match of the year, the Young Bucks or do lose the titles to the Lucha Brothers. Um, and yeah, what a what an absolute show! And it, anybody was going to have a hard time following that up. Um, so they did the smart thing here by not having a one-on-one after this. They had the Casino Battle Royale, uh, which the winner would get a uh, shot at the AEW Women's Championship. Um, and this this match had pretty much all the women uh, that are in AEW. Uh, of course, they had the Joker like they do in all of these uh, Casino Battle Royales, which is going to be a surprise that nobody knew was coming. Um, now this one, that happened to be uh, Ruby Soho, other known as Ruby Riot from WWE. Um, the final four came down to Thunder Rosa, Tay Conti, Ruby Soho, and Nyla Rose. Uh, Rosa, Thunder Rosa eliminated Nyla Rose. Uh, to just leave uh, herself and Ruby Soho. Uh, the two women after that actually had a pretty good back and forth between the two of them. Um, they had they had about five minutes to pretty much go after each other, uh, do whatever spots they wanted to, and then get to the finish. Which the finish happened to be on the outside of the on the outside of the ropes up on the apron they were there for about two minutes um and you really didn't know who was gonna win because it would have been it it was a huge shock to see ruby soho did pick up the win um but thunder rosa has also been a huge huge part of AEW, not ever as the champion um so this was kind of a spot where you kind of thought that thunder rosa was going to get the nod here Uh, Because nobody that has been the Joker has ever won a Casino Battle Royale. Uh, But Ruby Soho does end up picking up the win. uh, Which honestly gives her a huge jump when it comes to getting into AEW. And we're going to see where this leads her. She is going to be facing Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship. So uh, yeah, we're going to see. Ruby looked so happy when she come out there with the, the crowd did. gave her that great reaction like she couldn't stop the smile and the laugh and that was just great for her uh they did have some of the other little stories that they are starting with the women in this so, so that mm-hmm. helped like the ty conte and uh anna jay against the bunny and uh penelope ford yep uh Jade Cargill needs to kind of get some new gear because she was almost falling out of her top. She was, but she... She she, adjusted it every time she did a move. She did, but she did hit a very impressive military press. Carried... I don't remember who she threw out, but she was carrying somebody around the ring in a military press. She's she's a beast. And and tossed her on out. Yeah, that that was great. Um... Hey Cody, sorry I didn't want to. I don't want yeah. to allegedly say anything to upset anyone. Apparently, uh, he's not here, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, Jay looks so cool, like Storm from X Men. Yeah, I can see that. Jade was going to be the winner of this. Oh, look at that! What a good redemption or a sound alert for that. 
it's a super kick party. But yeah, uh, you thought Jade Cargill was gonna win it? Yeah, that's who. I, well, I obviously didn't know Ruby was gonna be in there, so yeah, yeah. that's who I would have put picked. I I honestly thought that Thunder Rosa was gonna take it because I knew she was a new acquisition that because she has been wrestling on AEW for a while. But she's only been under contract for about a month and a half, two months, uh, because she was originally with uh, with NWA. Uh, but now she is officially an AEW talent, which she's never had really. Well, I take that back. She did have a chance against uh, against Sheeta for the it was title versus title match. So I can't really say that she's never had a shot for it. Uh, but this was the first real shot that um, she could have where we could think, oh, she has a chance to win this. Ty scored a goal. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a nice match to relax the crowd back down because I think that's what this match was really meant for. It was to really cool the crowd back down for a bit to get them ready for the second half of the show. Which is, which is smart, in my opinion. And it's not like it was a bad match, and it wasn't a squash match. Um, it was just a, a drawn-out battle royal that was high-impact. It was a bathroom break for the people that were there. Um, but to come back and see Ruby Soho uh, coming out, getting her, getting her uh, debut, her, her pretty decent pop, uh, she did look extremely happy, like you said. Uh, which... I found it funny, which I am jumping ahead a little bit, but on that following Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, uh, she had a backstage interaction with Britt Baker, and Britt Baker told her to go back to catering where she's been for the past four years, um, which I thought that was that was pretty funny because we've all been wondering where where she was for almost the entire time she was on the main roster. Um, but, yeah, going on to the next match on the card uh, to really ramp the crowd back up into things. We had MJF versus Chris Jericho. Uh, this was great from the start because MJF, uh, he brought out the the old Y2J entrance, the countdown, uh, which made the crowd pop because they thought it was going to be... Uh, they thought it was going to be Chris Jericho coming out as a special entrance. Uh, but nope, as soon as it... <laughs> got to uh the end it was mjf that came out uh it's jericho's last match afterward yep yeah the, the trolling here by mjf was superb was great thank you i never removed i just noticed i never removed that Hoss, thank you for joining thank you for following uh we're talking about the aew pay-per-view from a couple days ago um yeah, thanks for thanks for coming along. Um, but yeah, that was great. MJF coming out uh, to to kind of troll the crowd with uh, the Y two J entrance. Jericho made his way out to the ring with uh, a pretty bad rendition of his own theme of the Judas theme. It was a live um, a live guitar, kind of like how Boogs does for Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, but this just sounded whiny. It didn't actually, like, I could tell it was Judas, but it actually didn't sound too much like Judas. The crowd was trying to sing along, but they were getting drowned out by the guitar itself. 
Um, so it wasn't as impactful as it could have been. Um, hack switch accounts, be careful. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, once this match actually got started, uh, yeah, this really got started very, not fast-paced, but it was hard-hitting. Um, MJF did shoot for the arm ASAP, uh, making sure that he was damaging that arm to eventually lock in his finisher. Um, but yeah, moving on from that, uh, he... Uh, I blanked. I blanked. Anyway, like I said, this was uh, a hard-hitting match. Uh, Jericho did actually pull some stuff out that he hasn't pulled out in a long time, which made me very happy. Um, yeah. Like, uh, he did pull out the Lion Salt once again. He did do a, a Huracurana. Uh, it, it felt like WCW Jericho, just in a bigger body. Uh, Wardlow did eventually come out, uh, but he was instantly stopped by Jake Hager. They brawled back into the backstage area, uh, which we did not see from them after that. Um, but because of the distraction, that allowed MJF uh, to use Jericho's bat and hit Jericho in the head with it. And then he landed the Judas effect on Jericho uh, to pick up the pin. But Jericho's foot was on the ropes. So even though we got the three count, we thought Jericho's career could have been over. Uh, a referee did come and talk to Aubrey Edwards and say his foot was on the rope. Uh, because of that, the match was restarted uh, to not end Jericho's career. Um, Jericho does go for a roll-up right after that. Uh, he did not get the pin, uh, but MJF did lock in his armbar, uh, which counted into another pin, which then transitioned into a lion tamer, which was actually a really good transition, in my opinion. It was a good sequence at, there at the end, uh, which does force MJF to tap. Uh, so, M er, so Chris Jericho does not have to... Uh, retire from wrestling. Um, it wasn't the greatest match on the card, and I'm going to be honest about that. It, this is uh, a match that you you really have to like slow pace, more technical wrestling to like. There was some spots where it did speed up, but this was more of a more of a, a technical wrestling match because one, Chris Jericho is not young anymore, so he does have to slow things down. But number two. MJF just isn't that guy. If you want fast-paced and uh, everything like that, MJF's never going to be the guy that you like because he is a very slow-paced guy. He likes to make the crowd hate him. Uh, so this is kind of what he does. So um, I think it played well into both of these guys. But no, this wasn't the best match on the card. It was a nice little warm-up to get into what the next match was. Uh, but yeah, not, not the best. Like Ty said, the false finish really, I liked it, and mm -hmm. uh, it it helps MJF. Not, I mean, not that MJF was going to look bad just because he lost. He beat Jericho three times, so losing one time isn't going to kill it. Yeah, Jericho needed to he win this match. Got, he definitely got a rub off this <clears throat> feud, but I think we've seen it enough. Let's move away from this. And I know they're still probably going to do some Pinnacle versus uh, Inner Circle stuff, but 
let's not have these two singles for a while at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a good wrestling match. Um, I just, there was just so many heavy hitters on this card that uh, this just wasn't, wasn't one of them. It was more of a a classic wrestling match, if that makes sense. I think think Jericho is supposed to be taking time off because of his tour with Fozzy, which will help. Yeah, then that when he comes sense. back, he'll get the big pop, people singing a song. Yeah, and I mean, I I kind of, going into this match, I kind of thought that MJF was going to actually win this match. Uh, because there has been rumors going around that Jericho Jericho's contract does end in December. Um, there is rumors that he does want to do one last run in WWE to end his wrestling career. Uh, and once that run is up, he wants to come back to AEW and do commentary. Um, so I kind of thought that this might have been the the swan song for him for wrestling for AEW, um, which would have been a perfectly fine way to end his AEW wrestling career, putting over MJF at the highest level, MJF being able to be the guy that says, I retired Chris Jericho. Um, but... I'm not upset by it. Uh, I can I can understand both parties. It, it really didn't hurt MJF, just like you said, to to lose that match. Yeah. Um, moving on, we had a return, an in-ring return. We had Darby Allen going up against the hometown kid, returning for the first time in seven years. CM. Punk, uh, and the crowd was fire the entire match. This is probably the the match most people were looking forward to. I'd say absolutely. And um, actually, I'll I'll say that at the end. Uh, but yeah, this was this was great. I, I do think this is the match that most people were looking forward to when it came to this card uh, because you did have CM Punk, who is beloved in. The, I don't want to say the entire wrestling community, but a lot of the wrestling community loves CM Punk. Um, and him returning for the first time in seven years, that's a huge deal. And returning in front of his hometown crowd in Chicago, that's even bigger. Uh, the one thing that I did see people complaining about, which you shouldn't complain about, you're mad that he was wearing pants instead of underwear. That's kind of it's kind of suspect. Um, that's not something to complain about. <laughs> um, I, I saw that complaint so much. It, it started to hurt my head how much I saw the com- the complaints of CM Punk wearing pants. Here all the time. Oh my God. He skipped a couple leg days in the past seven years, guys. Calm down. Um, but this was a really good match. This was a very smart match, in my opinion. Um, with Punk not being in the ring for seven years, yes, he's probably trained a little bit since uh, since thinking about coming back. But this was a way to have a good wrestling match with CM Punk and not have to worry about him potentially getting the crowd in his head and the the moment in his head uh, because he kept it very slow paced. A lot of working headlocks. 
And the only time they really picked up the pace was when Darby Allen was leading it, uh, which was very smart because Punk would only have to take one or two steps, uh, execute the move, sell the move, and that was basically it, which was extremely smart. Other than that, he stuck to uh, headlocks. He stuck to um, just different types of locks here and there. It was very much chain wrestling, um, which my, which was smart. My favorite part of this match is when uh, Allen went for the coffin drop and CM Punk just sat up. That's all he did is the yeah yeah yeah. That was that was at the very end. Yeah, um, which. Uh, in the beginning of the match, Darby Allen did try to he tried to uh, go fast paced pretty quick. Uh, after he got out of one of the working headlocks, uh, he goes and uh, drives CM Punk down with a shoulder tackle. CM Punk pops back up as Darby Allen goes to the ropes, and Darby Allen gets caught in the position for the go to sleep. Uh, right after that, he does break free, and he goes outside the ring to take a breath, which I thought is great in-ring psychology. Uh, it happens all the time with some of the best guys out there. Seth Rollins does it all the time when he's almost caught. Um, we see it a lot, but it is very smart. Um, on top of that, we did have a lot more fast-paced moments in this match, but like I said, Darby Allen was the one leading these. CM Punk really didn't have to do much besides stand there and do a little movement here or there, whether it was, say, an arm drag or something along those lines. Um, or stand there and catch Darby Allen when he's doing a suicide dive. Uh, but like you said, once they did get deep into the match, Darby Allen did go for his uh, finisher, which is the coffin drop, uh, and Punk's way of avoiding it was just sitting straight up. Uh, so he does avoid that. Uh, he, he looks at the camera and does a... A nice little smile there, kind of, kind of saying "gotcha." When he <laughs> that first go to sleep and knocked him out of the ring, that was a great bump too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he does hit. He hit that go to sleep, and Darby Allen uh, fell back in between the bottom rope and the middle rope uh, and fell out of the ring. Uh, that did get him to a nine count, and he got right back in the ring as soon as uh, the ref was about to hit ten. Why hasn't anybody else thought of that? Because they're laid out, bro. They're selling. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, this was great. Punk did eventually hit his second go to sleep to pick up the pin. And yeah, this was a very good wrestling match. Um, just the psychology of it, how smart it was to have CM Punk not have to work too hard. Uh, on top of that, there was spots in this match that did get wild, like the suicide dives and everything like that. There was definitely some spots where Darby Allen was able to carry the load, carry the load in this match. Sorry, I have the hiccups. Um, but yeah, the this was a very good match in my opinion. And after the match, both men were selling the pain of this match very well. Uh, Darby looked like a professional selling how he was selling at the end of that match. Um, not really being able to stand up, and when he is able to stand up, he, he goes over. He does shake the hand of CM Punk, and then he kind of falls over towards, uh, towards Sting, and Sting helps him out of the ring. Um, as CM Punk gets his, uh, his cheers in the center of the ring as he's celebrating with the crowd, 
yeah, this was this was a good match. It was a good return match. It was a good first match back for CM Punk. For CM Punk, um, I have no complaints with that. No, this was absolutely a great match, and uh, right the right opponent for uh, Punk to come back to. Like you said, he helped carry it through the match. He could do the fast-paced stuff, and Punk only had to do a little bit during those segments. And uh, it's not going to hurt a Darby Allen to lose to one of the biggest names. No, no. And it definitely helped Punk look good because he's been gone for seven years, but he comes back and he could still go with somebody as young and fast-paced as uh darby allen so and and the great part about this another another part that i i didn't mention was after the match the crowd was chanting darby so darby played such an important role in that match and and it was such a good uh it was such good execution by the two of them and the selling at the end the handshake everything that happened from start to finish of this match from the camera cutting to the entrances to the camera cutting off of CM Punk celebrating. Um, this was just great in general for Darby Allen. I think it helped him even by losing. I think it put him over even more. Tie with Mortal Kombat. I think it personally put him over more because I have not really seen many times where the guy that loses is the guy being chanted at the end of the match. That's very rare. Let's see. You ready to move on from that one? Oh, did I lose you? Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm still here. I thought. Oh, you're there. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Um, are you ready to move on from that one? Yeah. All Sorry, right. I muted for a second when I was taking a drink. Oh, you're good. Um, so moving on, we had uh, the the next match to quiet the crowd back down, which again, this is smart. Um, nobody was interested really in this match. To put it right before the main event does let the crowd calm down a bit. If they have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Uh, do what you got to do. This was a squash match, but it wasn't a. It was a glorified squash match, and what I mean by that is that it lasted more. It lasted about five minutes, um, but it was a one-sided match. So, uh, to quiet the crowd back down from a great match between CM Punk and Darby Allen, which everybody knew was going to be great, being in Chicago, Punk being so over there. Um, we had Paul White, other known as Big Show, versus QT Marshall. Um, and this started out okay. I I'm not going to say this match was good by any means. Uh, QT Marshall just tried to come out of the gate fast-paced, uh, hitting some punches. Then he, uh, he did eat a headbutt and a chop to the chest. Uh, Marshall did break, break free, and he knows that Paul White does have a bad hip. So he does hit him at the hip, cut him down. Uh, he was able to uh, hit the knees, make sure that he was down for a bit. But that wasn't really going to stop Paul White. Paul White picks him up, uh, hits the choke slam, gets the pinfall, and that's that's it. Uh, that's that's all there was to it. Um, he, also, he also beat up 
Solo and Camarado. Yeah, they look really bad. Yeah, which wasn't that smart. Um, but yeah, I mean that's exactly what this was. This this match was to calm the crowd down, um, to give Paul White one hurrah. I don't think he's really going to be in the ring that much. This might be the only time he's he's in the ring. Mark Henry apparently wants to get back in the ring one more time, so we may see that as well, kind of like we saw this, where it might be a cool-down match, um, which I'm completely fine with that when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to going fire match after fire match after fire match. you got to give the crowd time to really calm down a bit so it sounds much louder once they get to another big match. So, I mean, we did have... We had two really calm down matches here uh, after the greatest match of the year, the Tag Team Championship. Uh, we had that Casino Battle Royale, which calmed the crowd back down before they got to uh, MJF, Jericho, Punk, Darby Allen, And then we calmed them back down with Paul White and QT Marshall to get into the AEW World Championship match, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. This is the first time that I felt like Kenny Omega potentially had a chance to lose. And the only reason I say that is because Christian Cage did beat him about uh, two weeks prior to that for the Impact World Championship. Um, Not saying that that's guaranteed, oh, he's going to beat Kenny Omega twice, because that's highly unlikely. Uh, But this was a, a shot that I figured, okay, this is not a guaranteed Kenny Omega win. Um, But this match was extremely good in my opinion. This was a great main event. It wasn't the match of the night. Uh, I honestly put it as my third favorite match of the night. Um, But yeah, we had Omega trying to get the jump from the beginning. uh, But Christian Cage avoided it. Uh, They exchanged punches. um, And Omega hit a a Rana to send uh, Christian Cage to the floor. Um... They had a little bit of a fight to the outside. On the outside, Omega got sent into the guardrail. Uh, Cage came crashing onto Omega from the top rope to the floor. Um, Omega came back, laid a table over top of Christian Cage very slowly, which the crowd absolutely loved. They ate that up. Which there has been some some people that are more traditional wrestling fans that are like, oh, well, shouldn't that be a disqualification? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he he didn't hit him with the table. He did lay it over his body. Um, so maybe that it could have been. Uh, but this is also an AEW championship match. They're not going to call it on a DQ. Um, I'm not going to say what I just thought. Um, but yeah, this is AEW. They're not going to call a world championship match on a DQ. It's just not going to happen. Um, Omega, after he does put the table over top of Christian Cage, uh, he hits a double stomp and it shattered the table. Shattered the table. Um, yeah, the, the action went back into the ring, uh, but really not for long because Omega knocked Christian Cage from the top rope back to the floor. Um, but they did eventually get back in the ring. Uh, Cage, uh, hit a hurricanrana from the top rope, which was great. Uh, Omega tried for the one-winged angel. Christian Cage escaped, almost locked in the cloverleaf, uh, which was a nice little, um, 
sequence that they had there. Um, Omega did grab the hair uh, to to escape that. Um, Christian Cage hit a reverse DDT for the near fall. Uh, Omega uh, began to hit some V-triggers, which looked vicious, and then hit some Snapdragon suplexes, which I'm going to be honest, not the biggest fan of a Snapdragon because they kind of look a little, they just look like a roll in my opinion. Um, Sometimes, it depends on who Omega's facing, but if it's not somebody super athletic, uh, it kind of just looks like a back roll. Well... Kristen has the uh, the neck injury. Yeah, he has the neck injury. Oh, and that's what sense, yeah, otherwise. and that's what commentary was uh, was hitting on every time he hit the Snapdragon, um, which was smart on that end. Um, yeah, really playing it up that Christian could be just taken out at any time because of this. And it was it was funny because before uh, Kenny hit the the last Snapdragon, uh, Christian Cage uh, holds up his middle finger right in Kenny Omega's face uh, before he eats another Snapdragon suplex and another V-Trigger that put him back on the floor on the outside. Um, That's uh, At that point, Christian Cage and Kenny Omega, uh, they battled on the ring apron. Uh, Both men were trying to go uh, put the other guy through a table that was set up on the outside. Um, Yeah, Christian Cage spears Kenny Omega off the apron, through the table, and I don't know what to do about that. Um, yeah. We got we got two more halses in uh, in here. Um, anyway, uh, moving on. Christian Cage does spear Kenny Omega off the apron through the table. The table breaks, but the legs came straight through the table, so they never collapsed. Went right into Christian Cage's ribs. Yeah, that <laughs> right was into Christian Cage's rib cage. Say that five times fast. Christian Cage's rib cage. Christian Cage. Nope, can't do it. You want to try that out? No, I'm good. No, try it out. Try it out. I, no, do it for the crowd. Normally. <laughs> I, I, I'm. Uh... I don't. I hope Christian wasn't seriously injured, like cracked a rib or something. Because yeah, it looked it looked bad. Yeah. Um, and he it did leave him with a cut on his ribs. It was a, a small cut. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, uh, I, I just meant I hope nothing like more. Serious. Yeah, nothing cut, broke. Cut sucks, but yeah, nothing. Nothing. Nothing major there. But yeah, uh, and broken ribs. Broken. broken ribs suck. They suck oh, yeah. bad. I've had broken ribs and they are terrible. Um, I cracked a rib from coughing, and that sucked. <laughs> yeah, you can hardly breathe. It's terrible. Um, but after this, Christian Cage does lock in the Cloverleaf. Um, the Good Brothers come to the ring, uh, which makes Christian Cage let go of the Cloverleaf. Uh, he does knock down both of the Good Brothers, um, which this leads to Kenny Omega locking in the One-Winged Angel, which Christian Cage does break free transitions into a kill switch he hits the kill switch which this is how he beat kenny omega for the impact championship uh so this was a nice little homage to that but it does end up being the near fall uh because of this don Callis runs to the ring to distract christian cage um when they are on the top rope because christian cage was setting up a kill switch on the top rope uh what the announced team was calling a super kill switch um 
But because of this, Don Callis does provide Kenny Omega enough time to um, to recover. Uh, he locks Christian Cage into the position from the one-winged angel on the middle rope. And he hits an avalanche one-winged angel, which looked absolutely beautiful. Um, the pinfall didn't look beautiful, but the actual move itself looked fantastic. Fin- uh, look beautiful. Kenny Omega does pick up the win after this move. Nobody's kicked out of a regular one-wing angel, so why would he kick out of an avalanche? Um, yeah, the pinfall kind of... It was <laughs> like he had it at first, but he kind of just fell back on, like, one. And uh, he just had his leg over top of him for the rest of it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, after this match, the Elite do come down to the ring. Actually, before we get into that, do you want to talk about the match? Do you want to hit on anything before? Um, just like you said, really good match. Both competitors look great. Uh, not the best match of the night, obviously, because Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks <laughs> tore the house down. But uh, yeah, this really made Christian a, a viable threat. Like you said, you could you could see him winning this and. I didn't think he would, but you, you could have seen seen him do it. And mm-hmm. when he hit the kill switch, you were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, because yeah. that was that was almost twenty minutes into the match. So, uh, <laughs> Ty said a cage kebab. That's funny because of the table. Um, but yeah, um, after the match, uh, the elite do come down to the ring to celebrate with Ken with Kenny, um, but also. To beat the shit out of uh, Christian Cage some more. Um, while they are beating the shit out of Christian Cage, um, Jungle or Jurassic Express comes down to attempt to make the save. They get beat down as well. Omega grabs the mic. Uh, he does say, "Nobody can, nobody can beat me for the belt. Um, the only people that can beat me are either not here, they're already attired." Or they're already dead. And as soon as he said the word dead, the lights cut off. Uh, A couple seconds later, we see uh, Adam Cole pop up on the Megatrons with a beautiful song. I've listened to that song a million times now. It's all about the boom! Yeah, and it kind of has the Undisputed Era vibes to it. Uh, which everybody loves the Undisputed Era theme song. Um, but yeah, All About the Boom comes out uh, in an Adam Cole is All Elite uh, t-shirt, which I did purchase on ShopAEW.com the day after this pay-per-view. Um, he does get in a- uh, Kenny Omega's face uh, after he gets in Kenny Omega's face after he gets in the ring. Uh, he leans down and, of course... There's no Adam Cole without saying what? I'm sorry. Oh. I said said there's no Adam Cole without him coming out and saying what? Adam Cole, baby. And the crowd all said it in unison. Like he, like he, uh you know, was just wrestling in, in another big company and saying the same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was great. Uh, it, this was funny in my opinion because 
On being the elite when uh, Adam Cole signed to NXT, they killed him. They killed him on being the elite um, to to give a reason that he's not going to be on BTE anymore. Um, but I laughed because as soon as he said, or they're dead, people that knew that in the back of their mind were like, oh, he means Adam Cole. And then Adam Cole came out. So you kind of heard a little bit of pop once he said dead and the lights turned out. But as soon as Adam Cole popped up on the Megatron, uh, the crowd went insane. Um, which is great because we did see earlier in the night Britt Baker hit the Panama Sunrise. little homage to the man. Um, and, it, and it was fun because everybody thought it was going to be Daniel Bryan. Everybody did think Brian it was going to be Danielson. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be Brian Danielson. Uh, but it wasn't. It was Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole, after hitting the Adam Cole baby, goes back in Kenny Omega's face. Uh, but he turns and super kicks the shit out of Jungle Boy. <laughs> um, which was great. He celebrates with the Elite. Gets some kisses on the cheek by the Young Bucks. Uh, on the top of the head by Kennedy. Kenny. <laughs> yeah, and on the top of the head by, by Kenny. Um, the Elite is back together. That's, uh, that's what they've been saying. Uh, the elite is complete. Time. It was story time. Adam Cole did say, uh, "Are you kids ready for a story?" Uh, because Cole, baby. because that's what he used to do in uh, Ring of Honor. That was his whole thing was story time with Adam Cole. He used to have vignettes, um, which yeah, this was this was great. Ty, don't jump ahead. We are talking about it. <laughs> then, um, yeah, this, I didn't notice at that time. But they did give away this swerve because one, he came out of the heel tunnel. Yep. And two, he had the Nikes on. Like I didn't even notice the Nikes. I didn't notice it either. It was pointed out later on another thing I was watching, and I'm like, holy shit. I did notice. I did notice he came out of the heel tunnel, but I didn't put two and two together. Um, But it is nice because Adam Cole is now part of the elite. This does completely the elite. Do I think this? Uh, D values Adam Cole not necessarily being the top guy in the elite because he was just the top guy in Undisputed Era. Not really because Adam Cole was Wrestler of the Year in 2019. I don't think he's going to be in the elite for long. I, I I feel like this is going to be a kind of a, a pretty, maybe a month or two. Uh, and then I think he is going to turn on the elite. Um, I personally think Adam Cole and the Young Bucks are going to turn on Kenny and the Good Brothers. That's just my opinion, because they've already planted the seeds with the Young Bucks not liking the Good Brothers from the start. Um, so this could this could be a nice little... A nice elite little long... Civil War. Yeah, Elite Civil War that we could see, a 3v3, um, which is going to be funny, because uh, we're, we're going to have Brandon Cutler have to pick sides, and that's going to be, that's going to be fun. Um, but... Just as uh, Kenny Omega is signing off for the night, as he is known to do, the goodbye and goodnight bang, uh, we hear, um, oh, why am I blanking? Valkyries. Uh, yes, I knew Valkyries. I couldn't think of the first word. Um, which is Daniel Bryan's theme song in WWE. 
But as soon as you see Brian Danielson walk out of the tunnel, it drops into this beautiful dubstep edition of Ride of the Valkyries, which I absolutely loved. Another theme song that I've listened to five million times in the past couple days. Um, did you know, have you listened to that in full? No. It has no. lyrics that sound like, um, it sounds like a pop song. Like, it's really good lyrics. Uh, after the show, I'll, we'll, we'll play it together. Um, I'll play it in Discord for you. But yeah, it's, um, it's something. It's, it's really good. Um, but yes, Brian Danielson does come out to the ring. The crowd goes nuts because everybody thought that it was going to be just Adam Cole. That's it. Sign off for the night. But we also get Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Brian Danielson. Um, he comes out to the ring. Um, yeah, Omega explains that uh, that Cole would be on their side since he's one of their best friends. Uh, let's see... He came to the ring, he attacked the Elite, uh, and helped uh, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage fight off the Elite, uh, which was not, uh, it was really cool how we saw the pairings match off, um, because I don't know if you noticed, we had Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy, which I feel like we're going to see that match here probably next week, honestly, because Adam Cole's in-ring debut is next week, so that would make sense to me. Um, and then, of course, we had Daniel Bryant going after, uh, he was actually going after Nick Jackson, Christian Cage, went after, uh, Carl Anderson, and then Luchasaurus, and big old Doc Gallows went after it, as Kenny Omega ran away and didn't fight the battle. Um, which was a nice little touch that Kenny Omega was, was too good to, uh, to stand his ground with his boys. Um, but we did have the end of the show. Brian Danielson, Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, all raising hands in the center of the ring. We had the faces on top for the first time in the pay-per-view to end the pay-per-view in at least, at least a year. Because, I mean, John Moxley, yes, he's a face, but, like, he's not, like, that type of face. Like, he's a tweener in my head. Um... We haven't had a face and a pay-per-view in a long, long time. Uh, so this was really nice seeing all four of them out there. I will say Adam Cole and Brian Danielson both looked extremely happy walking out of the tunnel. Extremely happy. Especially Brian Danielson had the biggest smile on his face. Um, the crowd was chanting yes. There, There's people saying that they're not allowed to chant yes, but the crowd's going to... First of all, the crowd's going to chant what they want. And number two, you cannot trademark the word yes. He does not, Vince does not have the trademark to the word yes. I promise. I promise he doesn't. Um, yeah, that's too common of a word to trademark. Legally, he wouldn't be able to get it done. Um, but yeah, overall, this pay-per-view, honestly, me not being biased, and I try, I'm trying my hardest to not be biased, but it always sounds biased. And Travis says it all the time, Gravity Well says it all the time, that I sound biased on this podcast. This was the pay per view of the year so far. This was the best pay per view we've gotten. From top to bottom, they, they were very, very smart. We had the TNT Championship to start, started off with a bang. 
hard-hitting match. We had John Moxley versus Kojima. We had that was another hard-hitting match. We had a big surprise at the end that nobody saw coming. Nobody really knew who the guy was, but they sold it really well. Um, and a nice back and forth at the end of that as well. Then we had the women's championship match, which was a very good women's championship match. It's probably the best one that we've had. I wouldn't say they didn't know who Suzuki was. They were singing a song, some of them. So there were yes. people in there that knew. I, the casual wrestling fan is what yeah, I meant by that. at home wouldn't know. Yes. Yeah. I meant, I meant the casual wrestling fan wouldn't know who he is. Um, like, I knew him because I watch New Japan. I try to watch their... I, I only watch their pay-per-views, if we're being honest. And then I catch their reviews online uh, for their weekly shows. Um, but yeah, I knew who he was because he is the creator of one of the largest factions of all time in Japan, which is Suzuki Gun, which is still going on. Um, the AEW Women's Championship match was the best women's championship match that AEW has put out on a pay-per-view. Um, it is not the best AEW women's match, period, because that is held by Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in their uh, um, no-holds-barred match. Um, on top of that, right after that match, we had arguably the greatest match of the year, maybe the past five years, in the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers um, then the Casino Battle Royale, eh, okay, uh, it was a nice little cool-down match, um, we had a nice surprise in Ruby Soho, not really a surprise, everybody kind of knew she was coming, um, moving on from that, we had MJF versus Jericho, which had a nice little storytelling, uh, effect in there as well, uh, with, uh, Jericho getting pinned but his foot being on the ropes and he eventually gets the win so he doesn't have to retire uh, moving on from that we had CM Punk versus Darby Allen, which was a very very good match especially for a guy who's been out of the business for 7 years um, then we had Paul White versus QT Marshall blah um, but you kind of wanted that in that spot because it, it was hot the entire, the entire card's been hot up to this point besides one match and then we have the AEW world championship match which was a very good match had a very good sequence to end the match which was the important part because everybody remembers the ending right um and then of course everybody also remembers the ending and adam cole coming out siding with the elite and brian danielson also coming back to fight the elite um there's really there's nothing really bad about that Paul White versus QT Marshall. I mean, yeah, that was pretty bad, but I understand it. The rest of the card was fire. I mean, this was the best pay-per-view I've seen in years. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it it was really great. Uh, the returns, or not returns, debuts, because they've been on AEW. Mm -hmm. for, like, I figured Brian Danielson would be on there. I wasn't even thinking... Cole was going to be on this show right away. Mm -hmm. I thought he would be coming. I, I, I was sure he was coming, but I wasn't like, I thought it might wait. I was more convinced on Adam Cole because I heard rumors that Daniel, or that Brian Danielson wanted to debut at uh, MSG, which is in two weeks, I believe. Two weeks from now. Or maybe it's, it might be, no, next week is Newark, New Jersey, and then it's MSG after that. So it's two weeks away. Um, 
which that would be a huge surprise for MSG. Um, it would be their first weekly TV show in MSG, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they got to do something. Um, so that was the original plans from what, what I read. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way they did it with both guys coming out kind of back to back, the big surprise, not upset, not upset. That really sent the crowd home. like super happy. Yeah, absolutely. Plus they got a lot of buzz and I think they said they got over 200,000 buys for this pay-per-view. Yes, and that's that's one thing I was going to announce. This pay-per-view got over 200,000 buys. They're still doing counts to get the final tally on it. Um, but what has been reported is over 200,000 buys, um, which is the most buys by a pay-per-view in, I want to say it was the past 10 years. I think the last one that they said was Money in the Bank 2011 was the last one that got as much. Um, they didn't get as money as money in the bank 2011, but it was right on that border. Um, but yeah, even, uh, after that dynamite did get, uh, a pretty big jump in ratings. They moved up to, uh, 1.3 for the entire show. Yes. Gravity Wild did hear that they moved up. They did the debuts just in case of the outbreaks getting worse. Um, I did hear that as well, which is smart. To do it in front of crowds instead of if they have to go back to Daly's place. Um, but yeah, 200,000 buys, that's big. Being able to jump up in that threshold uh, to get 1.36 million, uh, that is big. Um, this past week, because of, obviously, because of these two big debuts and people tuning into AEW, AEW did beat out Raw for the first time. Um which is huge news. Another hoss. This is ridiculous, bro. This is four times. I know you said like it's a thing that's going on right now, but I didn't realize it was this bad. That's six. That is six. Hoss zero zero seven. Bro. That is seven. They just keep coming. Eight. What is going on? <laughs> what is this? It just keeps going. Is there another one? There's another one. Nine. That is nine. Is there going to be another one? Is there going to be a tenth? Nope. No tenth. Okay. We've had nine Hoss zero zero three twos. It's a hate raid, but we didn't get raided. I don't understand. I thought a hate raid was just raids, and they're not saying anything because they're fake. Anyway, um, as I was saying, I forgot what I was saying. Yes, they did beat Raw in the key demographics, which that is the big thing when it does come to... Um, when it comes to the network executives, because that's that's how they get uh, commercial ads and things like that. It's ad revenue. So um, AEW did beat out Raw in the key demographic by like 0.3, I believe, uh, which is a pretty a pretty big margin. Um, 
overall, yes, they did not. They were still about a half million behind. I think uh, Roll was either at 1.6 or 1.8. I can't remember. So they were anywhere from three to five um, hundred thousand behind Raw. Uh, but that's still not good for Raw because Raw was over two million yes. consistently for a long time. And they have dropped dramatically. I want to say it was uh, 1.636. For some reason, that's the number that's stuck in my head. And I have an itchy eye now. Maybe that horse guy gave me pink eye. What is this? Randomly have an itchy eye now that he came in here. Um, Jericho tweeted that they were going to... Ty, you scared the shit out of me. I thought it was going to be that guy again. Uh, Jericho tweeted that they were going to... In four to six months. They corrected his tweet and said four to six days. Gotcha. Um, Raw was also on a holiday this week. Yeah, it was on Labor Day. Um, but honestly, they really didn't take a big dip from the week before that. They only took about a 100,000 dip, which honestly isn't that big when it comes to uh, the grand scheme of things. Um, and actually, their key demographic, I'm pretty sure, was up compared to the following week, or the week before that. They've consistently gone down for the past six weeks. Uh, which is not good. Not good. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go go down again this upcoming week. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. That was all out. Trevor, anything? Uh, I just wanted to announce the winners for the predictions. Do your thing, bro. Uh, first place was DKA and Joseph Contreras. Uh, he's got nine correct, and they'll be getting 45,000 strands. Second place was MXG and Travis Horn with eight correct. They'll be getting 24,000 strands. Third was Cody rated and Thunderbird with seven correct or 7,000 strands. I'm not sure when Travis will have these on there or if he already does. I give him time. Man has real life, kids, life, job. He'll get them eventually. Just letting you know you won. I'll be putting this on the channel shortly maybe not tonight but by tomorrow sometime Travis said that Smackdown was lit so I'm just I'm just looking to see what happened I'm curious now was it actually lit or was it you trolling lit because you've been trolling non-stop for two months <laughs> um, let's see well, Rampage kicked off with uh, Pack vs. El Idolo. Oh, God. Not happy about that. Demon Finn Balor. He's not happy about that, I guarantee it. Okay, so it looks like... It looks like it was a good show. From what I'm seeing. Seth and Edge... Becky and Bianca contract. Oh, who would have guessed? A one, two, three, four, five. A 5v5 tag team match. Who would have guessed that one? Trey Young came out. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it was a pretty decent show. Um... Yeah, the, the end was the first thing I read. Um, yeah, um, 
the why I just said no to the Demon Balor thing, for anybody that doesn't know, um, Finn Balor announced as soon as he went back to NXT this last time that he never wanted to do Demon Balor again because Demon Balor loses the credibility of Finn Balor. Um, so he did come out to the public and say that he never wanted to be the Demon again because that limits who he can be without the Demon. Um, and of course, he's getting paid, so they can pretty much tell him whatever. But he doesn't like the Demon for, one, that regard, and he said, number two, he hates the prep time for it. He has to show up eight hours before the actual show starts to get paint and everything ready, um, which is a huge drag. <laughs> it's a huge drag. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's good to see him in the main event scene, don't get me wrong, but, yeah, Demon just... Yeah, I mean, it is fun, I guess. I mean, it was fun. I think it played its course. Um, I, I understand where he's coming from, though, because as... Finn Balor, he's never done anything um, besides win the IC title. He's never won a major title without the Demon. And yes, he's never lost as the Demon, and I don't think he's beaten Roman. So he'll be all elite soon enough. And it'll be the Prince, it won't be the Demon. So that'll be the good thing. No, I'd. I don't know. I could potentially see Finn going over. Uh, the next person that goes over, though, in my personal opinion, is going to be Kevin Owens after everything we have we have seen. Uh, for those of you that did not see, he was the first Universal Champ, but he was the first Universal Champ as the Demon. Uh, he also destroyed his shoulder as the Demon. Um... Yes, so why I say Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens has been very cryptic in this past, well, ever since All Out. The first thing he posted was, as soon as Adam Cole came out, he said it's a good thing to see good things happen to good people, uh, but it's better to see great things happen to great people. Um, on top of that, he used to be in a faction called Mount Rushmore with the Young Bucks, and no, he was the Demon. Yeah, he was the demon at SummerSlam when he faced uh, Seth Rollins and won. He was the demon for that match, for the inaugural Universal Championship match. Um, shit. Oh, he was in a faction called Mount Rushmore with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Uh, he tweeted coordinates out. That was to Mount Rushmore. Um, so, yeah, he's being very cryptic right now. His contract ends in January, so... We shall see. Apparently he's refused... From the reports, he's been refusing contracts. He could be using this for re for leverage, kind of like Randy Orton did, which I could see that happening. Randy Orton got a huge payday because he was flirting with the idea of joining back up with FTR. Um, to be FTRKO again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if he goes to AEW, great. If he doesn't great just hopefully he he deserves a world title run again i think he is arguably the best universal champion of all time outside of roman um so yeah that's just my thoughts on the matter honestly let kevin go he doesn't I 
Or of the Zah. Thank you for hosting in the last 30 seconds of the show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I appreciate it. Um, no, don't let... Kevin Owens is worth keeping. They've ruined Stockton. They could easily build that back up. He's he's so good, and the last really big thing that he's done was last WrestleMania was beating Seth Rollins. Um, yeah, so you just got off the worm. That's gross. We didn't need to know that. Um, tie with the Doritos and me. Will they, though? No. I have no faith in that. Um, I... I I tr- like I said, I try not to be biased. I have lost a lot of faith in WWE just because it has been in the past really th- three years has been three to four years has been a lot of rematches over and over. And I get some people call it long-term storytelling, but we don't need the same main event of a pay-per-view for five papers pi- pay-per-views in a row. It's just not needed. Uh, no, I think that's and they fight on Raw. Yeah, right and raw. <laughs> uh, it's just too much. Um, it's too much, in my opinion. You gotta. I, I I don't mind long-term storytelling and all that, but there's different ways to do long-term storytelling. Not giving somebody a match. Uh, Use your enhancement talent. Let them fight. That as well. I mean, you have guys like Ricochet who are on main event every week, uh, which was funny because Ricochet tweeted out something about main event and. Uh, Lindsay, oh no, that was Tony Nese. So Tony Nese, he is released. He tweeted something about uh, being on main event, and Lindsay Dorado, who is still employed by the WWE, tweeted him back and said, remember our, I think he said, remember our uh, 106-week streak on main event together? Which, that is insane. 106 weeks, he could be exaggerating. But, yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot, and I know, I know, uh, Lucha House Party. When they were Lucha House Party, they were on main event every single week, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, they got a lot of good guys that they don't utilize properly, and AEW they they may eventually get to that spot. Um, they they kind of are struggling with some guys, uh, like Brian Cage has been. Uh, a struggle to get out of the gate because the fans were never really on his side um, besides when he first debuted. Um, he could never really get over outside of that. Um, being the FTW champion and everything like that really didn't help. People don't love an eight-man contender match. Is every, I mean, we would we would enjoy the contender matches more than we do a 5-1-5 tag match every week for the rest of our life. For months and months and even years. Yes. For months and months and even years. Um, yeah, but... Uh, WWE has its has its strong spots as well. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that just hates on WWE. I do think they do a lot of things wrong, especially Raw. I think Raw does almost everything wrong. SmackDown does most things right. Um, with a couple... A couple of snooze fests in there, like their mid-card title. Um... But and and their tag division, that's that's bad too. But their main event scene is very good on the women's side and the men's side. Um, so I'm actually going to end this on good note, uh, on good saying about WWE, um, and also saying if you didn't watch All Out, 
absolutely watch all out. Um, what do you? What would you rate this pay per view out of ten? Ten. Watch it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was honestly the best pay per view from any promotion in the past five years, realistically. Um, I can't personally think of any that were better than this. Um, and that counts all the big fours. That counts um, Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, yeah, it's just this this pay-per-view didn't seem too long. Uh, it, it did go a little bit long, but it, it, didn't, it never felt long. Uh, it just felt like a fun pay-per-view from start to bottom, or from top to bottom. Um, but that's that's all I got for you. Trevor, any final words before we cut out of here? Thanks for coming, everybody. And, yes, thank you very much. Um, next time that we are here, we were, we'll be jumping back into the week in wrestling. We may stick with the um, with the good, the bad, the ugly. We enjoyed that. It uh, quickened up the show a little bit. We try to stick with 60 to 90 minutes. Right now we're almost to 90 minutes, which is good because we only talked about one pay-per-view. Um, next time you see me, I will have that stuff at the top removed. Uh, because that is over. Uh, if you were curious about how much we raised, um, we raised $1,900. Yeah, $1,900. Um, I sent 1000 of that to 22Kill, and I sent 900 of it to Operation Second Chance, so they did get those donations. Thank you guys very much. Um, I appreciate that. And, yeah... Until next time, we appreciate you. Remember, black and white on top. Peace. The following announcement has been paid for by the...